Thanks for tuning in to another edition of our Roots Running Podcast. Support for this podcast and our team comes from sponsors and charitable donations, giving our athletes resources to continue pursuing their dreams at the highest level. As always, if you like the content we're providing, please subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes and follow our team on Instagram or Twitter at Roots underscore running for updates on how our team is performing. In addition, if you'd like to consider making a charitable donation, please go to our website at rootsrunning.org. Like, I don't want to be the 61-minute half guy with a contract. Like, that guy isn't motivated. Um, like, I want to be the guy I was. And I think Houston was the first time in, in, you know, the latter half of 2017 where I was like, okay, like, I'm still no Adrati from the block. You know? Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Roots Running Sessions. I'm sitting here with the three guys that ran the Houston Half Marathon. We're sitting here now 10 days post-race. Noah, Wade, Willie, how do you guys feel? Good. Um, <laughs> almost, almost recovered. I feel pretty good. So you guys, all three had a pretty solid day. Uh, Noah ran 62-33. Willie ran 63.08, Wade ran 63.36. Kind of interesting on all three sides, Noah has done multiple half marathons in the past, his big one being the New York City Half Marathon last March. Willie, this was your second half marathon. Wade, this was your debut. Uh, Noah, let's start with you. Being that you've done multiple halves in the past, how do you approach this race relative to some of the other ones that you've done? Yeah, I think I went into this one about as fit as I've ever had been for a half, and at least as fit as I was going into Houston last year where I ran uh, 63, 20-something. Um, so I was definitely, you know, ready to kind of stick my to stick my nose in it, and I felt like the, the course is fast, and so getting out, you know, getting out pretty quick, I was, I was pretty game for that and just hoping that I could kind of time trial something pretty fast, but... No, I thought my fitness level was there, and and, rep, and Houston has the reputation of just being kind of a fast overall course with a pretty incredible field. So I was excited just to kind of, you know, try to run on the upper end of what I thought my pace scale was and see where that put me in the overall race. Uh, Wade, this was your debut. Um, not talking about the race, how it unfolded itself, but mm-hmm. going into it, um, what were your expectations? Did you have any thought of how the race might feel? You had done the 20K, like we said, in September. Yeah. Um, how did you approach the day? Yeah, I think, like, the fact that the 20K was a little bit less of a distance, um, I had somewhat of a grip on what it was going to be like, but uh, God, just going in kind of blind and uh, a little bit ignorant to the half. And... Um, Went out really hard and just redlined really hard. And um, it's taken me a while to uh, kind of mentally and physically uh, bounce back from that. Um, just because it was like, it was such a hard thing to keep pushing through. Um, but like I said, I mean, it was nice to be able to finish and not be injured for one. And then um, just have a new kind of perspective on um, these two guys by me. Um, I was telling Willie the other day, like I have a, 
have a gain respect for both of these guys because uh, you get to see your you get to see your teammates in a different light when you race with them. Um, we all go into our own modes, and then it's like you kind of see how they get it done, and it's pretty impressive. Um, not only to train with them, but to like see them just grit it out, and get it done. Like these guys are they're animals. So I like Wade. I love Wade. <laughs> I like Wade a lot. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was eye opening. It was it was tough. That's the toughest race I've ever been in. Willie, second half marathon. Your first one was Big Sur back in November. Mm-hmm. Um, now on paper, like we said, it, it's it's a two minute PR, but much different style of courses. Knowing that this one was going to be much faster, even though you had just debuted, it's still going to be uncharted territory for running that fast at that distance. Um, how did you approach it going in? Yeah, so I had done Big Sur, so I couldn't say I was new to the half marathon, but it was a totally different race, totally different environment, totally different competition, definitely smaller um, feel and at Big Sur, harder course. Uh, of course, you just can't really find a rhythm on completely. Um, so that was tough, but it was a lot of fun. It made me really just get excited for another half marathon and get excited for, um, keep, like continually trying to improve on the half marathon. But it still gave me a sense of like unknown, uh, in the future, like especially going to Houston cause totally different race with so many people to race against and just run, I wanted to run a lot faster. So it was, it was a bit, um, I was coming in with some doubts, uh, just unsure of what I could do and how fast I could run. Richie and I had talked about what I could run and pace and goal. And um, it was still just, until you do it in a race and hit a time, you don't, you, there's always maybe a little bit, a little bit of doubt in the back of your mind. Um, but I was also very, very excited because I was really excited to race that many people in that big of a race and that on that fast of a course. And it, it turned, and it kind of worked out well because my excitement turned into me feeling good and getting excited on race day as well. Now the conditions on the day, no, you saw Houston last year. It was warm. It was humid. It was 70 degrees with 90 something percent humidity last year. This year it was almost the opposite. You guys had a starting temperature of 28 degrees. The high, I think got to around 36, 37. We know that there was a slight headwind, maybe not noticeable if you were just standing there spectating, but you could feel it those last four or five miles. (coughs) Um, how much do you think the conditions kind of played into one faster speeds this year relative to last year, but also just affected kind of the later stages of the race? We saw that across the field as a whole, not just you three, but in general. Um, how did the cold do you think affected everything? Uh, well, compared to last year, I mean, last year was was so far from ideal that you know any cooler temperature the times were bound to come down so it was yeah polar opposite of last year and I think last year it was so hot at the beginning that everyone kind of understood that whatever pace goal they had going in kind of went out the window and we were going to have to adapt this year I think you could come to the start line like pretty confident that whatever the upper edge of your peak fitness was like you were getting a day to to give that a shot at least the second half of the course uh, yeah, I mean, I at least definitely slowed down kind of without even knowing it. Um, you know, I think we definitely had a little, little bit more of a tailwind in the first half and kind of turned into it in the second half. But, you know, temperature-wise, it was so close to ideal that I'm not I'm not going to complain about it at all because, you know, you don't get too many days that are, that are as good as that one. Um, and so, yeah, the second half of the course, I would say, was a little bit slower, but um, it was really nothing to uh, to complain about too much. I think you – I think – 
you know, if you were fit, you were still going to run pretty well on a day like that. Yeah, I, uh, I think it was, it was pretty cold. It's surprisingly cold for me, for what I expected. And I could feel, like, I kind of feel um, how cold it was during the race. And I could feel that headwind in the last three or four miles, for sure. Um, but as I've kind of been removed from the race a little bit more, I'm pretty sure that a, most of that had to do with just how you feel at the end of half marathon. Cause I also, and what made me kind of realize that is I was like kind of upset about how my last three miles went and I was like convinced there was a huge hill, like a ginormous hill. It, 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 I'm not convinced it was a huge hill, but then I looked at my watch afterwards and it has elevation we gained, I think, 11 feet in, like, mile 11 to 12, so I was like, okay. It wasn't that bad. It was me just being tired. Um, but, I don't, yeah, the conditions weren't, weren't too too impactful, I don't think. Yeah, I think, like, <clears throat> probably the, the, the most I could notice on the wind and cold was, like, coming back um, through the city uh, to the finish. And I think that's because, like, everything was being funneled through the buildings. So that's kind of, like where I noticed it was a little bit cold with the, with the wind and everything, but um, it was actually kind of nice, like, on the start line to have have it be a little cooler. That way it's, like, you don't overheat, and uh, you can just kind of tell yourself that you can go blast it and try and get it done, so. One of the questions I got from a couple, like, recreational runners after the race that, even though some of the people listening to this are more, like, seasoned serious runners, we still have some recreational people that listen how do you guys prep or warm up for a race like that, knowing that it might be cold at the start, but then you may have to shed layers, you're going to heat up during the race? Um, I don't really change anything about my particular warm-up routine. I think just what I try to do is make sure I've got my warm-ups on until the last possible second, like until after the national anthem, and then you know I have someone to toss them off to the side to. And I'm always fine starting a race, like, with my core temperature down a little bit because I know after a couple miles, you know, I'm going to heat up um, kind of no matter what. So, yeah, I just try to stay as warm as possible in the in the time leading up to the race just with the clothing I'm wearing. And then, you know, you, you probably shiver for a few minutes before the gun goes off. But Something that could be nerves, too. Yeah, and it's, yeah. All, and it's all temporary. So as soon as, the, as soon as the race starts, you're not really feeling cold anymore, and you can kind of dial it in. So... Yeah, I wouldn't say anything changes other than I'm just wearing clothes for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now you guys, you can overlap as you guys are kind of discussing this, but how the race unfold while you're in it. And you guys, like, Willie, at one point you catch up on, on Wade. The start, Wade and Noah, you guys were kind of working together. So kind of blend it together of how your guys' perspective of how the race went. Yeah, so the the race got out. It got out hot, but not quite as hot as the as the leaders were planning on going. So that kind of allowed um, me and Wade and a couple other people who were running in our group to really tag on the end of that like super fast twenty five <laughs> super fast group, you know. And so yeah. and and sorry to interrupt, but to put in context, the field. No, I think you with your sixty-one forty-eight, you were ranked seventeenth or eighteenth going in. Like yeah. there was like six or seven sub-sixty guys. Yeah, I think yeah. three sub-fifty-nine minute guys. And some debut guys who were definitely going to run the sixties. Yeah, and for people at home not understanding maybe what that pace might mean, Willie, who ran sixty-three oh eight, his average pace per mile was four forty-eight a mile. So guys that are running fifty-eight, fifty-nine minutes, they are flying. <laughs> and so to get out that quick in a half marathon, especially 
weight, you've never been accustomed to a half marathon distance, it kind of feels like a 10K to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Which so, you PR'd in. Which you, which you guys <laughs> PR'd in. So it gets out quick. Yeah. Yeah, so they let us tag on the back of that international field for a little longer than maybe I was anticipating, knowing how fast they were planning to go out. Um, and then as these races often often do, they can, you kind of settle into uh, to smaller groups as you kind of find each other. Um, as everyone settles into pace. And so Wade and I um, were part of a, a pretty good group of four um, men churning along. And, you know, we I definitely knew we were out pretty aggressively, even though I wasn't really checking every mile split. Um, I knew, I definitely knew going through 10K that I was on, I was right about PR pace, so I knew we were, we were heading, you know, towards the sub 62 if everything w- was being held together. And we, uh, yeah, we had a good solid group. Um, I was pretty content to try to stay at the front of that group and just like relax and find a rhythm, which I know you really have to, like the half marathon is kind of a balance between like finding a rhythm, which you're supposed to do in a marathon, but not falling asleep the way you do in a marathon because you have to constantly be pushing because, you know, like, uh, like my PR pace is 442 and I've never run a 442 in practice that felt easy, but you have to find a way of making that 442 in a race like feel easy and feel relaxed and that's about the pace we were on through 10k and so i was just trying to remain calm and know that like the race doesn't really you know get going until you get to around eight miles or so and that's when like you really have to kick in the extra gear so i was just trying to buy time and keep going and it was nice having Wade there to work with and um when our group splintered up a little bit i pretty much always had someone to work with um and it, like we said, it just it slowed kind of imperceptibly in the last uh, in the last 10k, which I was kind of surprised when I saw the finishing time. I thought it'd be a little bit quicker, um, but I was pretty competitive the whole way, and I was changed position a lot in the last few miles, which is kind of abnormal in a half marathon. I think sometimes you get you get stuck in your finishing position like very early in the race, um, but here there was a lot of back and forth, and I think that helped keep people engaged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wade, you said you, you your group, you kind of made a surge pretty early on, which you think may have cost you on the back half of the race. Um, yeah, like, I think the start, like Noah said, we kind of latched on with that with that front group, like names like Sam Chalinga, Bernard Lagat, um, just trying to hang on, really. They were just, like, chomping at the bit. Yeah, they had a group of, like, ten guys, I think, for a while. Yeah. And when you guys passed me just before four miles, I think you guys were maybe 10, 15 seconds behind them. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. much. So, I mean, we, we gave it a legitimate shot. And then uh, I, I remember I told Noah, like, that's too fast. Like, yeah. I'm done. Like, there's no <laughs> way. There's no way. So, like. Do you remember when that was? I don't know. I think it was around, like, mile three. Like two or three. Well, we came, we definitely saw a five k split, and it was like it was quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like when you see those splits, though, it's like, yeah, it's probably it's going to be faster than anything you've ever seen, and you have to kind of make a decision to like either keep going and like hope you're having a miracle day, <laughs> or like slow down and and hope for a good day. You know, and that's kind of a, I think in your first in your first one especially, it's like you know why not go for the miracle and then <laughs> and like you still ended up with a fine day, you know, but so. especially on a course like this, it's set up to be almost like a track for yeah. a marathon, which is also unique. I mean, Willie, where you went out, there's long straightaways. You could see them for a good part of it. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause 
Noah and Wayne talk about their race, and it's really interesting here because I because uh, I could see everything play out in front of me, and I could watch what was going on because it's just such it's just like four long straightaways. It's like the bulk mm-hmm. of the race. It's beautiful. So it's it's beautiful, and when we were turning back in the city, it was like four miles to go. The sun sunrise was coming up over the downtown. Pull the shades down. <laughs> Pull the shades down right there. And went to work, but. Uh, that was an interesting perspective to have on my end because I, I kind of had a totally different uh, kind of strategy that played out through the race. And you had a good group to work with as well, right? Like oh yeah, it ended up yeah. Looking perfect for the pace you wanted to go. Yeah, it actually like immediately at the start line, like 100 meters in, it's it's splintered into two groups, which like the 25 guys up there, and then there was then there was my group with two Hanson guys. Matt McClintock, and then one other guy. And that was basically our group for 10 miles. And it was just... Matt McClintock must have closed like a freight train. He closed, yeah. (laughs) Those guys came flying by me. I'll get to that. (laughs) That was wild. But it was was really fun, because I, like, knew immediately when it it splintered, I didn't freak out or, like, start to worry. I was like, this is a good group right here. Because when I saw the first mile split and two mile split, I was like... All right, this is this is perfect. This is way too way faster than ever before for these miles. You know, for a race this long, but I didn't freak out and it worked out really well. Mm-hmm. But um, we kind of just started clipping off four forty sixes for the whole race, basically. And I just kept telling myself to not like freak out and just be calm because the big story kind of dropped off at mile seven, which I think is kind of like a gut check, a breaking point. So I was telling myself, get to mile seven and stay with this group. Just stay with this group. And I kept repeating that to myself. And then I was like, all right, mile 10. Let's get to mile 10 and just stay with these people. And so that's what really kind of brought me to that next level to stay with them all the way through like nine to 10 miles. And then Mo Herezi was the first guy to break it open. And then... Was it an abrupt surge or was it a slow burn? It was it was a slow burn because he would he would get some space and then we'd catch him back up and get some space and catch back up. And then, like, I think, like, right at mile 10 just before is when uh, he just, like, kind of broke. And then I think McClintock, like, just clicked into, like, in the action and just started going to... And that's where I kind of fell to pieces, I think, when I didn't have people to race with. And I, I thought I was still, like, working really hard, but I slowed down a lot. So I think at that point, you just got to, like, find somebody to, to run with or just try to stay on pace. Because I felt like I was staying on pace, but I slowed down, like, 10 seconds per mile, it felt like. But you and I, I mean, you and I had a, a fair amount of time at the airport afterwards to kind of recap the race together. And one of the things that I was trying to tell you is like when you're in that unfamiliar territory of a pace that you're unaccustomed to, especially at a distance you're still learning, like part of that thought process is just like, don't F it up, Mm -hmm. like get to the finish line because you know you're running well. Whereas like someone that's been there like a Moharezi, he can get a little greedy and go go chase. That's exactly what went through my head was at mile 10, I was like, all right, I I know you're running fast, so don't don't mess it up. And that was the exact opposite of probably what Mo was was going through his head. And I looked at the splits, and Mo closed in 442 pace last 5K to run 62.10, and then McClintock actually stayed exactly on pace. So he didn't actually speed it up. He just stayed the same pace, which... But he probably felt like he was speeding up. Oh, yeah, 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 probably. And he caught, like, I don't know, 10 people maybe. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing, I think the most impressive race was Jared Ward because at like mile two, he dropped behind Noah and Wade's pack and was there for about eight miles by himself in between my group and Noah and Wade. And I thought for sure we were going to catch him. I was like, oh, Jared's having a rough day. Like 
we're gonna we're gonna catch him because he's all by himself. But he was exact same spot, running his specific pace, just clicking Jared along. Jared has a plan. Like, <laughs> always has a plan. And he executed that plan perfectly, and then blew past everyone else in like three or four miles. Left. I mean, Noah, you said last year. I think we were recapping one of the races, and you said if I ever run a marathon <laughs> with Jared Ward, I am sitting in his back pocket. Yeah, and I mean, I thought about it. Like Jared and I talked before this race, and he was like, you know, just so you know, I'm gonna gonna try to run around 4:45, and I was like, oh, that's that's cool. Um, but I thought it was gonna take faster than that to make the team, which it did. Which it did. Yeah. Um, and I also like thought I was in like fitness to run faster, which I could have been. It just might not have been right right day. But I was like, okay, that you know, I'm gonna probably try to run a little faster than that. So it was a real trip when like around mile 10. Jared, like, Jared comes, you know, flying by me going the, you know, I should have, I should have run with Jared. <laughs> like, I would have, I would have run 30 seconds faster if I would have held back a little bit at the start. But, you know, like I said, some days you just go for broke. But I always really admire the way Jared runs and the way he dials and just never panics. It's, it's, it's finds, remarkable. He finds a way to be there. Which, Wade, I told you in the hotel after the race, like, you found yourself in an unfamiliar position where you're finishing kind of redlining compared yeah. to finishing strong. Mm-hmm. And we also talked about beforehand sending you off without a watch on, not worrying about pace, just going to race. And like I told you after, like 63.30 is a really fast debut. It's an uncomfortable position to find yourself in where you're dying to a 63.30. Yeah. A lot of guys are trying to close hard to a 6330. <laughs> if you're dying in a 6330, you must have gone out really hard. Yeah. But, like like you're saying, like mentally, physically, it took you a little longer than you anticipated to recover from. Mm-hmm. Some of that is just like finishing not as strong as you anticipated. But, like Noah just said, going for broke sometimes, even if it doesn't work out, there's a benefit in that. Yeah. Because it, when you do get familiar with the distance, when you do get familiar with the speed... You're, you're not afraid to go and put yourself in that position. And it takes time for some people to learn how to do that consistently. Mm-hmm. That's something you did right out the gate in your first distance. Yeah. So at what point did you feel like it started going backwards relative to attacking? Like in mile five, you said you put in a surge partially because you had some guy clipping your heels. Yeah. That you were like, look, we got the whole road. I'm tired of you clipping my heels. I'm going to push. Mm-hmm. But it catches up to you. So at what point did you feel like it really started, you had to just kind of grit? Uh, probably around like mile seven or eight. Um, so 10K to go. Yeah, the legs just, they were starting to get super, uh, not crampy, but like kind of, I felt like I was, they were on fire. And um, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't really do anything about it besides just, just keep pushing. Yeah. Whatever I could handle, just, just keep Keep trying to keep trying to go and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what to say. It's like um, I think when you go in and you're expecting like certain things and then it doesn't happen, it's a little disappointing. Um, but um, that's part of like why I keep need to needing to like be a part of a team is because like I need to learn. I need to learn. Sometimes I like need to learn the hard way, but. Um, that's why I'm happy that like I've been able to run with these guys consistently because they're like they're they're always teaching me things whether they like verbally say you know 
like, don't be a hero. Or, you know, just, just we want you to settle be a hero. in. For the record, you are our hero. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But we just don't need you to be that every day. Yeah. But it's <laughs> like... to channel it so it comes on the right day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've just been used to, like, training by myself for a little while, so... Um, I don't know. I, well, get, and this, I get, and sorry to interrupt too, but this is like you you miss eighteen months after college, right? So it's like you're in some big races in college. You miss eighteen months of training after college. You you had a good year last year, but it's the U.S. Championships. This is like, I mean, we were saying this field could have been better than some of the Olympic fields. Like yeah. so some of the guys that are in there, they're they're good guys in that front front section. So that's mm-hmm. a different experience too, racing an international field comparative to just a domestic one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's just like it's just learning how to be like these guys said, just control, like control yourself, um, stay patient. Like during a, during a race that long, that's a long, that's a lot of miles. And mm-hmm. like the the reason why I got kind of down is because thinking like trying to bump up to the marathon that's going to be that's going to be very hard for me to well, do don't think about that yet but um, <laughs> yeah. you know it's a, it's an eventual thing that's going to have to happen um takes time though for me at least yeah. and yeah it's just like man that is whew, that's a long race so it's just more of kind of like a shell shock a little bit after that but it's good i, I think everybody needs to experience a little shell shock and kind of Get it's not the last time you're gonna feel that. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that's how I feel that, especially now. Like every race that you go into, we see where your fitness is growing to. It's uncharted territory mm-hmm. in in those races. Like yeah. for you and Willie, you both PR'd in the 10k, going through a half marathon. Like yeah. that's less than halfway through the race distance, and you're PRing in that distance. Yeah. So. It takes a little bit getting used to, and it can be a little unnerving when you see those times up on the clock. When you're like you, it's it's natural to have kind of a little bit of self doubt as to what you can do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Willie, to piggyback on kind of the point I'm trying to make, what you learn from your Big Sur to Houston, you learn a lot about the distance in a short amount of time. Even though the the course profiles are significantly different. You learn how to manage that distance, how to manage emotional control when you're riding those waves of going through bad periods through through good periods. Mm-hmm. Like it takes time. Yeah, yeah. You learn a lot not only about how to race it in the moment because that's ultimately what's the most important thing is doing it in the moment, but also how to prepare for it and like all the things leading up to that that kind of race, especially as it's a longer type race. There's, it's just the training leading up to it. It's it's important to learn how to best you know to approach that. And wait, one thing that should give you confidence is Noah's first half marathon was 68 minutes. Mm. Second one was 66. Third one was 64. Yes. Yeah. Now, seems to Willie, be Willie's <laughs> first half marathon was 65. Yeah. Now, his second one's 63, which yeah. means your next one's going to be 61. <laughs> Natural yeah, progression. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool. It's ever. like one of those things where you just keep putting pieces of the puzzle together each time you do something like that. Um, I mean, I think you can take little bits and pieces from um, every race that you do, but, you know, it's like trying to uh, graduate up to the half and the full, um, you're really going to have to, like, be attentive and be fully aware of what's going on every time you race, and just take uh, little nuggets of information from each one and 
Seems. Or forget about them entirely, which is sometimes, <laughs> which is sometimes like the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the sure. best thing you can do. I can yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, either learn something or just like banish it from your memory. Those yeah. are the two strategies. But you, I mean, you had a good. I mean, you blew up, but it was a good race. So yeah. like, there's lessons in there. Yeah, you'll sure. have the races that you just need to forget entirely, though. Yeah. One again, a sixty-three thirty as a debut, like. Not bad. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of guys that are going to be happy with that as a debut. There are a lot of guys that are going to be happy with that as a PR. Yeah. Well, I debuted five minutes, five minutes slower than that. <laughs> that's a lot that, <laughs> if that makes you feel any better. No, I'm not. Yeah. You could have gotten a coffee by the time I crossed it. <laughs> it's not so much of like being disappointed at all. It's just um, I'm naturally kind of hard on myself, and I think that's what helps me. Oh, I'm okay. Well, <laughs> that's what helps me kind of like just keep going in this sport. And we'll help you with that too. Yeah, it's no, it's a learning process. The remarkable thing was you you kind of hinted at this, but you're very very good at running by feel and yeah. just like listening to your body and just kind of when you're feeling it, when you're feeling good, you just you just go and you just hammer. Yeah. And I just know that when that clicks it, and it'll come in a race, you're just gonna blow something out of the water like craziness yeah it's just it doesn't always happen every day yeah for sure but we see it in sure. practice we see like when you're in wade mode be scary mode. <laughs> yeah it's like all right <laughs> i'll just try to hang on with wade for as long as possible <laughs> now willie like wade said i mean feeling what he felt during the half and feeling a little apprehension towards the marathon distance how do you feel about eventually moving up to that distance after your first two halves oh i'm excited I like the long stuff, the longer distance. Um, I don't know why. I just kind of like the grinding mentality and just like the... I just like feeling in a rhythm um, and just locking in during a race. And um, this, the shell shock type feeling in the shorter races, just just not a fan of as much anymore. There's less room for error, that's for sure. Yeah, and there's that too. And I just, I don't know, I just get a lot more excited thinking about the long races. And I just, I get more excited thinking about more halves and especially a marathon down the road. No, this was your first true race. I mean, you ran U.S. Club Cross, but like that's more of a fun event. Example of races you just want to forget entirely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hilly course, snow, cold. Very me being bad at running. (laughs) All those those things back then do it. Let's bring up all those old memories now. But first true race that uh, kind of a focus race after your first true marathon build. I, again, I'm going to keep putting, putting Chicago in quotations of a true marathon buildup because you had 10 weeks to build up to a marathon. So it's not really a true marathon buildup as much as a focused race marathon buildup. How did you feel you recovered from Chicago getting through that distance and then having to recover not just for a race, but like the speed, knowing that the speed was going to be as hot as it was? Yeah, um, physically, the recovery after Chicago went, like, pretty smoothly, I would say. Like, I was back, you know, a few weeks later, still, like, able to touch on some faster stuff. Mentally, like, finishing Chicago, even though I didn't run as well as I wanted to, was refreshing. I felt like I learned a lot about how, like, professional handles a big race environment where there's a lot of expectations, financial incentives, like, all the stuff that you don't really learn about the sport until it's on your plate. Um, I felt a lot of pressure leading up to Chicago and then especially on a shorter build-up. So finishing 
in 216, which was not what I wanted, but also not some kind of blow up. I was like, okay, I can, I can close that chapter of my running, (laughs) running like career, take some lessons away from it. But I was excited to kind of get back into, you know, continue my healthy streak and like start putting the training down to get back to the runner that I was in New York um, that previous March, cause I don't feel like I got back up to that level before I went to Chicago. And so that was a big motivating factor for me, like having that training under my belt. And then all of a sudden now I've got some serious time to play with. I can, I can get back into those faster workouts because the speed, I mean, half marathons I think are way more related to the 10 K than they are the marathon. Um, so like getting back into, you know, that 10 K half training as opposed to the, the marathon training, I was excited to do that. And also I think the fact that the, that Wade and Willie's training began to overlap with mine in a way that's never happened for me in my career in terms of having two equals to, to train with and like leading up towards one specific race together, um, you know, never happened for me in high school, college, post-collegiately. And so all those things combined, like, I think created a good atmosphere for me to kind of get my legs back under me and, like, get to the start line in Houston being like, okay, I am my best self again. Um, And I came through, like, some shit at the end of last year that I'm ready to, like, put behind me in Houston. I think um, Wade... When you moved out here, it was beginning, it was November 1st. I think you moved out here on Halloween exactly. It was like perfect blend for you three. Mm-hmm. It was a jolt of energy of, I mean, we, we, like we mentioned in the last podcast, we joke at practice, you're eternally optimistic. Like it was a perfect... Come on, kick in the table? Yeah, sound effects. <laughs> Cut! <laughs> Edit. But it's, it's the perfect jolt of like positive energy. Mm-hmm. At the same time that, Noah, you were coming off your marathon buildup. Willie, you were coming off your first half marathon buildup. And then knowing that you three would sync up at Houston, it was kind of that perfect meshing. For yeah. training. It was yeah. awesome. Aaliyah and I have joked together that like when you guys watch the miracle movie from Disney about the hockey team mm-hmm. in the Olympics, it's a great movie. you three are kind of like the coneheads in training that they describe in that, on that team where it's like, it's kind of this weird mix of like, you guys balance your personalities really well. You guys work together really well. And that is a rare thing to find. Noah and I were talking about that last night, to find three training partners that get along really well, that are synchronous when it comes to hitting repeats, that aren't racing each other, that it's just, it's an enjoyable atmosphere out at practice. Yeah. Kind of talk about that. Like you guys, like Noah, you mentioned in the post-race interview, you got you and Willie and Wade ran every step of that buildup together. Like, how was that kind of syncing together? Like, we're going to obviously try to do that as much as we can, but, like, you guys are going to be on different buildups. This was the perfect blend together. But even, I mean, it's it's hard to mesh adult personalities well together. That's difficult as a coach. Like, you guys all three at the same point matched up, but also, Wade, you kind of fell into our lap as a perfect blend and balance for the the other two guys. So, we love Wade. Yeah. No, I think it's like 
Not to get all like mushy. No, let's, no, let's, let's get mushy. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. This is my second glass of red wine. Like, <laughs> feeling pretty good. Let's open up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The lights. I love you guys. I think everything kind of happens for a reason. Like, the fact that I moved out here when I did, um, and then started just hopping in with training with these guys. Um, you know, Noah's told me before that he was struggling a little bit with with you know, running and his identity and stuff. And I think we all have our own personal goals. Definitely. We want to try and do the best we can with, um, what we can do, what our bodies can handle, what our minds can handle. But it's like, it's cool at the end of the day when we can like, just kind of <clears throat> not really think about ourselves too much and think like, you know, how, how is me being a part of this team going to affect these two guys? Like it, it was awesome to see these guys just destroying that race. Like, Noah, just, he's relentless. Like, you know, mile seven, I was redlining, and he just kept going. And then Willie passed me, and he said some encouraging words, and I was completely silent. Cause I, I, like, I tried to. <laughs> I wish I could have said more. <laughs> just trying to finish at that point, like, wanting to just start crawling. But just to see these two guys, like, I mean, I've only been here for two and a half months, but... Um, I think just having the three of us kind of has like rekindled a little bit of love and like passion and definitely like some fire back in for running. Um, we see it, I see it more as like a, an opportunity for each one of us to like continuously make each other be better. And I think that's like something that, you know, when we come to practice, like if I'm dealing with something in my life, I just put it on hold for a while because I don't want to, like, be negative at practice. I try and be very positive because I do believe that, like, positivity leads to, uh, it's contagious. You know, everyone, everyone kind of gets on that bandwagon because it's, it's good. It's good for your heart and your soul to, like, be positive, get stuff done, and then always make sure to, like, say goodbye to each other and, um, that you're on good terms before you leave, so... It's cool. I think the three of us, like, we just, we're trying to do this together, and um, there's no reason to be in competition. We're all just trying to get it done, so. Until all, all of our PRs are a little bit closer, then we'll start getting vicious. <laughs> <laughs> Sabotage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll turn on each other soon. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think it was a coincidence at all that we all ran pretty fast times at Houston. Um I definitely noticed my training turn right at club around club cross, so like a month, month and a half before. I just started to do a lot better in training, and I wasn't as much of an emotional wreck. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> let's go into this. <laughs> no, like, I'll go into it later. <laughs> no, it, it, we just like found our rhythm and our kind of... We're all on the same wavelength, which is, as we've all kind of reiterated, it's really hard to find. Um, Wade and Noah have just been amazing teammates, and it's been so much fun to train, uh, every, you know, every step of the way until up to the big race. And so, you know, Wade's just amazingly positive and just is a hammerhead, and I love chasing him and holding on for as long as I can. And then... Um, and Wade's also really good at just just knocking off repeats, just 
not thinking and just hitting times and just going one after the other. After the other. It's just like an assembly line, man. Just, like, just, assembly just line. get it done. I've, I've heard that so just many times. Just go blank and get it done. <laughs> and Noah's just mentally tough as nails and just is very even keel and obviously is the smoothest runner I know. And there were many workouts, a lot less this past month, past month and a half, but many workouts where I was just in the middle of workouts. I was like, I can't, I just can't do this. Like, this is, I'm feeling terrible. I hate how I feel, I like how I'm feeling. It's going awful. And he's just like, you know, let's just focus on the next one. Just do the best you can. And I think, you know, those are huge reasons in the moment when you're doing workouts, you know, how you make that next step is who you're surrounded by in your environment. Yeah, I think that's been the biggest thing I've seen from you, Willie. Like, we talked about how you PR'd by two minutes from Big Sur to now. I think the thing that was more impressive is your 10-mile champs race at the beginning of October <laughs> to Houston. You averaged 10 seconds faster per mile for a race that's 5K longer in distance. Mm-hmm. So you averaged 4.58, I think, at 10-mile champs, and you averaged 4.48 at Houston. And that's, what, two months apart? Mm -hmm. But the big difference is you're training almost solo going up to the 10-mile champs. Mm -hmm. You have three guys that are also really good about emotional control and putting things into perspective out at training to train with Mm -hmm. over the course of that six weeks. How has that been, not from training with them, but just kind of learning how to deal with the waves, the ebbs and flows that might come with training? I think it was hard because at Gonzaga I had, you know, 20, 25 guys that I was working out with Mm -hmm. and you're just constantly surrounded by people and I think it's a distraction. You're not thinking about it as much. You're just like, you know, someone leads this rep, someone leads that rep, let's let's do the work and it just makes it so much easier to get the workouts done and to go through the process and then to go to a much less, um, just, just working out with a lot less people and you have to do it all on your own. You can do it through for a couple workouts. You can do it, you know, for a couple weeks, but then it'll wear you down, and you have to. It just it's a lot harder mentally um, to really get to that next stage that you want to. You need people to push you and to to balance you out and to go to that next level. Here's what I think is important, though, is that you had to go through that for a few months this past year. You were rehabbing from an injury, and then. I mean, that it's t- like you missed six months of training. Mm-hmm. So you had to come back relatively solo, especially since at that point you're, you're solo rehabbing, but as a longer distance runner. Mm-hmm. Noah, you had to do that for almost a year and a half when you first moved out here. You had Tyler for a little bit, but for a lot of it, you're also doing a lot of solo stuff up front. And Wade, like you said, in Reno you had to do a lot of it solo before moving out here. So you guys all came from relatively individualized training situations over the past couple of years to now being able to blend that together. Being a, I think some of that translates to being appreciative that you have someone to work out with mm-hmm. and knowing that you, if you don't have it on a day, you have someone else there that's going to help uplift you. Yeah, you, so, yeah, you kind of need to go through that, the mentality and the, the process of doing it alone. It makes yes. you stronger. It makes you a lot better. And then it just makes it so much easier when you have people to help push you. But you have to go through that, you know, that process of... Now we're weak again. Uh, yeah. We'll <laughs> be weak soon enough. <laughs> like, so what we just talked about, that's kind of a race. You have guys to work with for the early stages. And then at a certain point, you have to make a decision of, am I still going to latch on? Like what you did at the 10 mile champs where you decided to jump in front and push the pace. Like that's an individualized endeavor after just hanging back for a, like. U.S. Half Marathon champs, two years ago, your goal was I'm going to hang on the pack as long as I can and try to finish top 10. 10-mile 10 champs, fast forward four months later, 
you're the one surging, pushing the pace. Like at a certain point, point in those races, it becomes an individualized endeavor, but you're working with people up until a certain point. Yeah. Um, so before I like to have like kind of themes before a lot of my races that I think about beforehand, that'll kind of motivate me. I wouldn't call them mantras because I'm not really like saying them out loud, but they're just general ideas that I like to keep in my mind during races. And I, I had like three that I wrote down before Houston. The first one was they are with you. And that was really a reference to, to these two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I knew we were all in the race and we were all going to keep each other accountable um, as long as we could. Um, so, so that was my first one. The second one was you can do it. Cause, <laughs> cause they're, they're, and I say that to myself a lot in training cause there's that period in the half marathon. I think, I think once you get past 10 K, but before between like 10 K and 10 miles, there's a period of like, of like panic and despair where you're like starting to question if you went out too fast and if you can finish or if it's even worth finishing, you know, and so, like, and so, like, reminding myself that I am, like, physically capable of doing what I'm doing at the current time is a big one for me, and then, and then the third thing I wrote down was just rise, um, because I also knew that there was going to come a time where I was going to have to transcend what I was doing at that particular moment, like, what got me to mile 10, like, if I wanted to have my my dream race I was gonna have to rise above that period of I can do it and just like get to that place of just like fucking crushing it um and you know was I successful in nailing all of those objectives not really but I was definitely like a lot closer than I've been in a while and so that uh that was motivating to me so that that's like kind of a weird way of answering your question (laughs) no and and I mean to to go off of that way like you you went out with him and now to hear that what do you think it is that's going to make that shift not just to handle the distance better you you've experienced the distance you know what it feels like at least you know what it can hurt like i think a lot of times mentally i'm not even there um <laughs> i have a really good way of just kind of going blank and just running running hard um trusting instinct yeah but i think this next time i do it i definitely want to be more in tune with time um, so like, you know, just be patient and run like the first half on a very strict pace and then reassess from there, take it like in steps, you know? So I think like the next time around, try and go through first six miles at a certain pace that I think I can handle and everyone else thinks that they can handle. And, um, and then it's like, if you feel crappy still, then it's like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is, this is pretty hard, but. I think definitely just don't go out like a, like a madman next time. And um, that's bound to have a better result, I think. Everyone wants the race that feels perfectly like seamless, like it felt effortless. And who knows, Moharezi could have said afterwards, like, that's the best I've ever felt. But it could also be the best he ever felt because he's closing really well and he's feeling confident. Yeah. So you are in a different place where you're slowing down a lot. Like... That's a good, pl- like, I think running as fast as you did, but feeling that hurt, mm-hmm. I think is okay to feel on your debut. Yeah. Because then you may surprise yourself when you're going out at 62 pace, but you're feeling a little bit more controlled. Mm-hmm. So recovering after a race like that, like, the speed is a little bit different. Noah, like, this is kind of like the start of your spring season. You've got some bigger races coming up, some races you know you want to run fast in. It definitely gives me confidence now that, like, okay, I can handle the half marathon speed again after not touching it for a little while. 
and uh, it gives me, you know, gives me definitely some confidence heading into races in, you know, March and onwards that I can, you know, go out as fast as I did in Houston and then hope to hang on. Um, and even if the times aren't reflected, like at least be really competitive with national and international fields, which is my main goal now, because I, I feel like I'm just like knocking on the door of being able to like hang on with that lead pack and like be confident enough that I can run with the lead pack. And, you know, going back to a year ago, I was like feeling like I was starting to get to the place where I could run with like a national pack. Like, I could run with the Americans, and now I think I'm getting to the point where, like, on my best day, I can run with the international field. And so Houston was a good step towards, like, that goal of, like, feeling like I now belong at the front in these, like, big races. So how fired up at the finish line of Houston when you turn back and, like, Willie and Wade are pretty close behind? Oh, I was very excited by by that, um... Like, I was a little bit disappointed to see my finishing time, but I think I think turning around and seeing Willie charging down and, like, looking up at the clock, like, any thought, any disappointment, however brief, that I had about my race was pretty gone. Like, recognizing the moment that he was having and, like, understanding the breakthrough that he was having because, like, I've been with him, you know, through through the injury you know, to his first runs, to where training, like, wasn't going well, to where training, like, all of a sudden was clicking a lot, and so, like, I recognized everything that he poured into that build-up for the last year, and I was just like, man, 63-0, that's, like, a good fucking time, like, that, like, I just, I was stoked, you know, and then to see Wade come in not too far after, I was just like, okay, great, all three of us, like, can chalk this up as a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you walk away from that, like, feeling good, <laughs> you know, like, there's no other way to walk away from it. So seeing the progression that Noah's had the past couple of years, Willie Wade, what do you think it's going to take to kind of move to that next step or that next tier? I think consistency is definitely the key with that. Um, not, not falling into the wanting to take a break phase, um, or at least too long of a break. Um, like I said in the podcast before, you know, you kind of have to like basically adapt running as your lifestyle. You know, the body just keeps getting stronger and stronger. The more you, the more you keep pressuring it to basically be able to handle faster paces, longer, longer runs. Like since I've been here, you know, the long runs we do on Sunday, um, they're at pace and man, it's like the gains that I've made just from that is amazing. Um, so I think just staying consistent, um, staying true to yourself and to the sport um, is something that's going to help us to just like keep keep seeing things through from year to year. And uh, I think like the fact that we all ran under 64, like for me, that's like, okay, we know we can do it. So now like maybe we can take a step back, focus on like a few individual goals we have for this upcoming season. We'll go back into the mode and just get it done. And basically, I'll work together. And I think the fact that we all know we can do it is pretty amazing. Like it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. So yeah, I think he hit on some main points. There was consistency and just keep doing what you're doing. For me personally, I think since I found a rhythm that's working, I'm just gonna not change. You know, not not make any big changes when you find something that's working, and always try to make the small improvements, the small increments, and the small tinkers to just keep stepping. You know making the steps in the right direction 
I don't know, I think Houston was just big for me because I feel like I hadn't really done anything. Like, I have good peers for college, maybe, but I had really done nothing on any scale yet, so, and that's why I had some doubts going into Houston, but now that I have something, even though, you know, I still get, like, 30th place in the race and lose by three minutes, <laughs> so I can't be too proud of it, like, I'm very aware of where I stand in the sport, but it was a step in the right direction, and it just gave me that personal, personal confidence to know that I can't do what the things that I want to be able to do. And I think it's, it's something, like we said before, that you're, we saw a mindset shift over the last yeah. couple of months that yeah. makes a big difference. Part of that is based on the guys that you're working out with and the way that they approach it mentally. How do you try to develop that daily, race-wise, as you go through your careers? It's mm. a, a big question. I mean, the mindset of racing, uh, I think, to some extent, has always been innate in me and um but there have definitely been points in my career where i have been super comfortable with like my identity as a runner and therefore like my my racing struggles <laughs> you know because i i don't quite know how to how to push and transcend the way i may be feeling in one particular moment um but those those rough patches have always worked themselves out kind of organically and then once I get once I get one race where I feel that fire kind of flicker again, like which I think is what Houston was for me, um, you know, it feels like an old T-shirt all of a sudden. I can just be like, okay, like I still got it, and I can remember, I can remember the runner who who did the cool things that I've done, and like, okay, I'm still that guy. Um, and so, like, part of it is just like reminding who that person is, and like. And, and maintaining that identity a little bit and just, like, staying true to it instead of getting caught up in other parts of the sport that I've been exposed to that I never thought I would, you know? Because it's like, how do, I, how do I stay that D3 hungry guy? How do I stay the kid who never qualified for state in high school? Like, how do I stay the 68-minute-half marathoner who thought he could move here and be a professional someday? Like, how do I, how do I stay that guy... Like, I don't want to be the 61-minute-half guy with a contract. Like, that guy isn't motivated. Um, like, I want to be the guy I was. And I think Houston was the first time in, in, you know, the latter half of 2017 where I was like, okay, like, I'm still no Adrati from the block. You know? still <laughs> <laughs> got Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. Um, well, and that's something that... <laughs> That's something that, I mean, Wade, I've talked to you individually. There's different things that motivate different people, financially, vanity, or competition. Yeah. And, Noah, you and I were kind of talking about that a little bit last night, And too. that was a J-Lo reference. <laughs> yes, right? yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. Sorry. We're not all about running. Pop culture. <laughs> But but that's something that we talked about last night too. Like, yeah, struggling with identity once you get a contract, which is a motivating factor to a certain degree when you first start, is one step. But at the same time, that can sometimes be a little bit liberating too because now you can get back to the purity of what racing is. Like, it's not... That's the negative about the sport, right, is that you have to establish times for a sponsor to be interested in you, but ultimately races are races. You're competing against the person standing next to you on the starting line. And so depending on how you perceive what that intrinsic pressure might be, it could be either a weight or it could be freeing. 
Yeah, no, I agree, and that that's like that was like my main takeaway from our conversation last night. I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Um, racing is freedom. Um, yeah. But in like the next one, and I think I was always going to get there. There, there's just that. You, can, you, can, you just have to figure it out. Yeah. You just have to figure yeah. it out for yourself. But anyway, once you do have that that frame of mind switch, which I think Houston was like the was like the culmination of, it's just like okay, you know, we can start over again. Yeah. Now, Willie, for you, racing has always been a vain thing, a vanity thing. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's for, so for you, like, when you moved out here, vanity, financially, those weren't the motivating factors. For you, it was about competition and trying to better self as best you can. It's just because I love running. And just because you love running. And racing. Yeah. So, I guess Houston, for you, was a race against clock. But, hold on a second. We'll pause for a, is that a refill. Is that empty? Yeah, you can open this one. Yeah. Uh, um, for you, Houston was a race against the clock. At what point, or I guess, is it is it going to take being in those situations that it's then going to be, you're going to be the Moharazzi trying to run down guys? Yeah, it, yeah, I try not to get too worked up into the time, you know, into the clock in the middle of a race. I was actually thinking about that when Noah was talking about that, and I, I just love. <laughs> can, can you get that? <laughs> I'm sorry. This is way more complicated than I anticipated. Yeah. So you pull it through and then put the black plastic on the outside of the cardboard box. No, let's pull it over yourself. I'm gonna pull that. Yeah, especially on that shirt, man. Yeah, I don't want wine. Uh, that's a nice shirt. On that shirt. It's got a little some stains yeah. on it already. This is like the nicest piece of clothing that I own. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought this was going to be a quick thing. Uh, yeah, yeah why not? You just do it. I've, I've <laughs> done this before. I'm a box <laughs> wine professional. There you go. I just want like a, like a quarter of a glass. A spurt, a spritz. Yeah, hold this guy oh, no. through. You got to fill oh, it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to... I put it on the inside. Yeah, I might have torn now. Mm. Well... That's fine. It'll still work on the spout. Let's, let's do that. And boom. Boom. Cool. That's all I... Sorry, that was a whole lot of... That was a whole production for Anybody? I'm okay. I'll take some. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> That's way peeing. Or I'm stop the pee real quick. I'm so just going to pee in my cup real quick. The question, the question <laughs> wasn't necessarily a question as much as, well, I guess it is a question about. Anxiety, don't you do that? Yeah, that you're a vain athlete. No, it's, it's more like. <laughs> but when you look at this, good. It's <laughs> more like. So Houston was a validation to you from that you can run the time that you know that you need to run the yeah. time to be competitive. Yeah. So now that you've run focus on just time, racing. Yeah, focus yeah. on racing yeah, against yeah. some of those guys. Well I think there's that factor you just so you do need that backup to just uh, and that validity to know that you can do do that and race with those people and run those people. Um, some people it comes more inherently I think. Some people it comes through more times. Um, so I think as I get more more of those races and just keep doing what I'm doing. I think the confidence will keep building. But I was thinking about what when Noah was saying. I think the sport, um, it just kind of ebbs and flows with your motivation and your fire and your passion for it. Um, ideally, you wouldn't want it to ebb and flow. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. But only think, flow. <laughs> only flow. No ebbs. <laughs> Hashtag no ebbs. Um, 
I think, yeah, it kind of ebbs and flows. Like, I've realized I loved running, and I really loved to race um, throughout, you know, my high school, college career, and it just made, it just makes me feel more alive, and I lost that in the year that I moved back to Portland and started working a desk job, and I was like, I need to keep running. I need to, I miss it, and I know I want to keep doing it. And I think as I got through the injury and, you know, wasn't able to run, that fire and that passion just kind of fades because that's how people kind of fade away from the sport. You just don't have that desire to do anymore. And it just seems like such a monumental task. And, like, why would you want to go through all that pain for those that hour out of, you know, a day and three months away from here? Why don't you just do whatever makes you feel good now? But it, you know. Here's to feeling good all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I think as as time went by, I found that you know that passion and that that motivation it it you know comes back and it, it doesn't always come when you want it. It doesn't always come when you need it, but it'll come back. And those times where it clicks and where it, you know it that fire comes back when you're feeling good is when you know that's when that's what you live for. And I think those moments and those that feeling is kind of what people like us are addicted to and that's why we're doing what we're doing and I think I felt that in Houston and so it just kind of hopefully you just keep working off that yeah you were saying it I mean just being in that environment around those people it's exciting it's exciting and especially energizing. in Houston um there is a line of 20 guys I can see especially because the long roads like I'm racing suddenly fast and I'm hurting so bad but I see 15 guys that are you know, in the same exact position with me, and it just feels like, I don't know, it just feels good. It's just a sense of camaraderie. But even, camaraderie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's what you're saying. No, and there's, there's, there, like, at mile 9 or 10, after racing with my group for a while, and then it kind of broke apart, it was like, a, I'd, like, I lost something when they, when they broke apart. I got too attached to them. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were up the road, but... <laughs> <laughs> Should have gone away. That's what I'm working on next time. <laughs> but it was exciting. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, you guys ran into Meb, like, going into the hostess. Oh, was like, great. the elevator. Like, mm-hmm. it's just being in an environment like that where you see very talented people of guys that have done it before. You see very talented people that are currently doing it. And guys like yourselves that are trying to work your way up Just, to that. And we're all in our element because we yeah. all do it because we all love what we do. All right. Yeah. Well, let's, let's close this out on uh, what's up next. I know, Willie, Noah, you guys will be in a race together in a couple of weeks. Wade, you got one not too far after that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys want to talk about what you guys have coming up? Have you committed? He's committed. Um, yes. Well, Relatively. Still TBD. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I think we're gonna Willie and I are gonna hop in a 5K in a couple weeks and just uh, kind of a for fun thing for me I think and just like get used to the speed and just I don't know I haven't really been on an indoor track in like five years so I think it could just be like kind of a fun thing and then uh, another half marathon TBD in March I've been there before <laughs> it rhymes with <laughs> yeah. I'm doing the 5K and then I don't know what after. TBD. TBD. <laughs> hopefully one versus Ho- another. <laughs> hopefully, uh, just I'm just hopefully following whatever Noah does for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be getting a great answer. Noah, <laughs> Noah and Willie potentially would be doing a 5K in Seattle. So if anyone listening to this is in Seattle, come out and, and help do some chat. Or has a spare yeah. room. Or has, yeah. <laughs> Sleep on the couch. Robert Walgreen, yeah. Matt Boilo. 
We'll be we'll be there soon. Okay, we've I've got friends too, man. Like we've all got friends. We're going to Seattle. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> idiots. And then, <laughs> and then Wade, Wade, what do you have coming up? Uh, I think I'm going to try and or yeah, get into the uh, the 15k championships, the uh, Gate River Run. Go hop in a 15k. Uh, get some get some time after this half marathon to uh, kind of get some solid training in. Not not. I don't want to <clears throat> rush into another race. Um, just kind of reset and just keep like making sure that you appreciate the journey, not really set yourself up to go sour at all. So, and that'll be a good one to like, there's no time associated with 15 K like you're going to go race yeah, and then potentially turn back to the track after that. Mm -hmm. So, so we've got some stuff coming up. Uh, we'll be sure to do some podcasts this spring, help you guys stay up to date on what they are doing as well as the rest of our team. Hope you guys enjoyed, and thank you for listening. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Cut. (laughs) Recording this, too. There's some gems in there. Costco, dollar fifty for a big, yeah, uh, a big, big hot dog and oh, yeah. a soda. Yeah, that's the best nice. deal. Costco is the greatest the, place on earth. The pizza is the best too. Yeah, the pizza, pizza slices. Oh yeah, the pizza slices it's good too. They're so polite because they get treated very well. Yeah, yeah. it's just it, we should really emulate Costco with everything we do in society. Yeah, I like that you can just get big boxes of shit. <laughs> they don't even need it. Like I got enough almonds right now to last me. A decade. <laughs> that is kind of the problem. There's some things that I want that I don't want two huge liters of or something. Yeah, but you sleep easier at night knowing that you've got this giant supply. <laughs> yeah, it's all good, man. It's like, no matter what happens, I have my almonds.